Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. This episode is hosted by Christopher Drobut. Having worked and lived across Western Canada, Christopher has recently made a shift out of an 18-year career with one company to now exploring Edmonton's innovation ecosystem. His experience launching a store in a new market helped him realize his excitement around bringing ideas into reality and the power of a supportive network in making that happen. Christopher is involved in the Aquatic Biosphere Project, working on funds development for a push to bring a world-class aquarium to the city of Edmonton. He's also working towards building a machine learning model with retail applications and is completing the final courses towards his MBA. We'd like to take a moment to acknowledge both MNP and Intellimedia, generous sponsors of the 2019 Rainforest YEG Summit in Edmonton. Let's get right to it with Christopher's discussion with Anthea Sargent. Take it away, Christopher. Hello and welcome to the Rainforest Alberta podcast. This episode, we are joined by Anthea Sargent, the CEO of 2S Water. I am your host today, Christopher Drobot. Thank you for joining us. As mentioned, we have Anthea with us today. Anthea is a driven entrepreneur who constantly strives to learn and improve. She's alternated over the years through co-ownership and entrepreneurialism and also more traditional industries such as accountancy, insurance, and engineering. She holds a Bachelor of Japanese Language and Literature from the U of A and an MBA from Athabasca University. Her current venture, 2S Water, is focused on developing and implementing high-quality water sensor systems for communities that can be used by people of any skill set. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me out. I appreciate it. Oh, it's great, uh, great to have you here. So we're going to get into some of the stuff about your your journey uh, a little later. I'm going to just jump right into the one that just <laughs> I find is the absolute most interesting. Um, you started a cat scratch pole business. What was that about? Yeah, so that was uh, in my university years. You know, we just needed a way to pay the rent and we thought we'd do the most fun way possible. So we started building uh, custom cat scratch posts. We would go on walks into the ravine and find really cool pieces of wood, pull them back out on our on our wagon, build a cat scratch post, and then we sold them at the farmer's markets. So it, it was a lot of fun. We'd wake up at six in the morning and load everything onto our wagon and walk to Strathcona Market and and sell cat perches all day long. That so. is so cool. <laughs> um, I actually, when I first moved to Edmonton many years ago, uh, Old Strathcona was the neighborhood that I lived in. And so the, the farmer's market was a favorite spot of mine. I, I may even have actually... You may have walked, walked past, past us. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's fantastic. So let's let's kind of, let's jump back to the, the normal uh, questions. Why don't you tell us about your, your whole story a little bit here and you can elaborate as much as you'd like. Sure. Uh, so as you just mentioned, I've been an entrepreneur most of my life. Uh, I think I was 20 when I started Cat Scratch Fever. Um, and I've also been in traditional businesses a lot. I've worked with the family business. Uh, we work in a, in a variety of fields, like you were saying, accounting, engineering, uh, electronics manufacturing. So I just have a really good skill set. And um, I saw the opportunity to put it towards a project that was really going to help the world. And that's how 2S Water was born. Cool. Well, tell us about 2S Water. What, what have you guys done? Uh, so we're developing a sensor for drinking water quality monitoring 
Our goal is to monitor all 105 contaminants in the federal water guidelines on a real-time basis without an automated user. The big problem that we have today is when you go to remote northern communities, they have the water treatment facilities sometimes. Uh, what they very rarely have is an operator with the kind of skill set that you can get in Edmonton or in Calgary where we have budget and large facilities. And, and these people really need support. So what we do is install our sensor. It runs automatically. It, it outputs the data straight to their phone so that they can actually protect their community. They can know what's going through the water before their population shows up in the hospital. So. Oh, okay. That's, that's like You're right. That's something that will absolutely benefit the world like that's so important yeah it's um it's surprising how necessary that is in canada as well as across the world that even in really developed countries there's huge outstanding water issues that we need to deal with and we want to be a part of making everybody safe to drink from the tap that that should just be a basic human right i would agree with that for sure <laughs> how, so how how did your you and there was a couple other folks in the business as well like how did you guys all like come together to start moving forward with this? yeah i have a co-founder so uh basically we identified that there was a need in the market and then we just started reading scientific papers and we found someone in the lab doing what we wanted to do so we took that scientific paper down to the u of a and we found a you know a professor and said look this is what we want to do and he said yeah i think that's something we can do and that's how we got started you so. make it sound so simple uh, yes, uh, there were bits that were simple and bits that were difficult. <laughs> Finding that paper was, was not as, as easy as it would sound. And then adapting that technology has been, um, more problematic than we expected. Uh, you read a paper and they're doing something and you're like, okay, this is done. But you don't realize that that's a machine that they lit up for 30 seconds, got their results and then didn't need to use anymore. We're talking about something that's going to run 24 hours a day in a water treatment facility a lot of technological hurdles that we had to overcome to get where we are today. And but, then not only that, end user hurdles as well. Yes. Yeah, exactly. We've done a lot of customer interviews. I've driven out to more water treatment facilities than I could possibly imagine and, uh, and talked to the users and found out what they really needed. And uh, that was an interesting journey as well. So. I bet. My mom was a wastewater operator when, okay, I, when yeah. I was growing up. So <laughs> I know all about the plants and they, yeah, they're not, uh, they're not simple. Like that, they're no, so they're complex. not. Yeah. And it's, you know, such great people running these facilities too, who just really want to see their communities have safe, clean water. So, so how do you distill that down? Like that complexity of these massive, you know, uh, plants that they have, how do you distill that down so that it can actually be, you know, accessible to everybody? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think from our perspective, we just picked a place in the process where we could make the most difference, uh, which for us was is going to be the output and the input that we can really uh, monitor what's going into that process. When it comes to what they actually do inside, that's a whole nother science. And there's some great innovative companies who are who are dealing with that space. All we do is make sure that we know what's in the water. We're, we just provide the information they need to to make it happen. So. Yeah. No, but I mean, that like that. that's what I mean, though. Even 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 that itself is complex. Even the data, yeah, I agree. Um, and that's something that, that we struggled with a little bit is in our original idea, we wanted to see this information broadly released to the public. And what a lot of water treatment facility operators have told us is that the learning curve on understanding what each of these chemicals mean and, and which ones are good for you and which ones are bad for you uh, is just so expansive that we're really trying to build the system to have a lot of that knowledge inherent in it so that you can... When you see a contaminant come through your water, you can click on it. You can understand what the maximum allowable values are, what the problem is if you exceed them, and uh, and what to do about it. So that's that's great. That's awesome. <laughs> so that's that's something that uh, has just come up 
fairly recently. Like you guys have just kind of put this together over the last couple of years. The last two years we've been working on this now. So, yeah. and we're just about to go into the fields. We're, we're almost there. That's so exciting. Next couple of months here, we'll be stepping into our first field sites. Awesome. Yeah. So how, how would you say like, as we mentioned, you have some, some pretty different paths. Like what was kind of the driving force to leap from say, you know, you mentioned about the cat scratch post, it was just paying rent. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty good driving force right there. But uh, like, your interests kind of went all over the place and you've, you've kind of gotten a really well-rounded view of, of business as a whole. Like, how Yeah, I'm a bit of a jack of all trades when it comes to business. Um, and I guess what drove us here is that I saw my career going along. I was gathering a great skill set, but what I wasn't doing was making the positive change in the world that I wanted to see. It's great to come to work every day and make the business you work for better. But in the end, I didn't want to be at the end of my life saying I, I didn't make a positive difference. I didn't ex- excel in the way that I am capable of. I can do great things and this is going to be one of my vehicles for doing great things. So would you say that that's always been something of your, in your mindset? Like just like this burning, like passion inside you to do something? Yeah, I would. Yeah. I, I've always been a pretty driven person and I feel like I spent the last decade or so just building up the skill set that I needed to, to really leap forward. So it's great to finally be at this, at this place where I can make that difference that I want to do in the world. That's a really great way of looking at it too, is that they, that all the time that you put in, it's not like, you know, you hear sometimes people that they might look at their previous career and say, oh, like I, I wasted all this time doing that. But like, you're, you're looking at it, like you, you gained all these skills that allowed you to now actually do the thing that you really want to be doing. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot to be said from learning how businesses are doing it now. Uh, as innovators, we want to come in and do everything differently. And that's great. We should do everything differently. But in order to rewrite the book, you need to have read it first. So that's a really great way of saying, of phrasing it. That's <laughs> awesome. So with, um, with that, like, let's maybe kind of dig in a bit. Just talk about community. So you, you mentioned about innovators. Innovators want to rewrite the book. That's, I wouldn't say that everybody wants to rewrite the whole book. Sometimes they want to rewrite their own chapter, but uh, yeah. even so they're looking to, to change things. And mm-hmm. I think you're, you're touching on something that's really important. So, you know, within the rainforest community, mm-hmm. um, we really like to be able to support innovators and support entrepreneurs so that they can build whatever the future is going to look like and to bring everybody together to tell the story of, of Edmonton and Calgary and Alberta as a whole of, of everything that we are doing that's really positive. So how would you say in that sense, like that an innovator today could take, you know, some learning such as yours and, and put that to play in their own business that they're trying to start up today? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, sometimes the people who have the best and most creative ideas, and, you know, often they don't have the full skill set, um, which is why we all have to work together and help each other. There's people out there who know everything. And, you know, I haven't, I, I've been through a lot of businesses. I still haven't done everything. There's still people on the community that I rely on. You know, I've sat down with members of the rainforest and had them guide me through their processes on how they did things. Every project is new and different. And every time you can use the people around you to lift you up and help you get to where you need to go then that's something that benefits all of us. And I think that's something that's wonderful about the rainforest is the community that wants to see everybody succeed. Uh, James uh, of Levin Electronics is always saying, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats. And that's become my personal philosophy as well. The the more we all succeed together, the better we all do. That's totally, uh, totally. And that's, I think that uh, I'm reading a book right now uh, called Give and Take by Adam Grant. 
and it actually touches on that same idea that philosophy that you just by by giving first mm -hmm. by f focusing on on pouring your own uh energy and efforts into the world around you that's how you actually start to see the change that you want to see and i mean that you know we talk about reinforce right now and you mentioned about um how important the, the connections are so you don't discover what the connections could be unless people are volunteering that information that that ability for that's absolutely and and what's great about the rainforest too is that a lot of the time you don't know what benefit you can bring to other people or they can bring to you until you have that opportunity to sit down to learn about their business to to meet them maybe five or six times before they come to you and say you know actually this is the problem i'm having and then you can step in and help or you know you tell them what your problem is and they help you e either way that's the value of those deep connections, you know, uh, many people say that, you know, there's value to the network in being wide, but there's also great value into your network being deep. And I feel like Rainforest is part of where my network is deep. Right, right. And that comes just from that, that consistent. Exactly. The, the, the presence and just the ability to connect once a week to, uh, to be around like-minded people. Um, and not only does that give you the opportunity to build that deep network, it's so supportive on this journey when often you feel like you're alone. You know, I go to a lot of my friends who I've known for years and they don't understand what I'm doing. The amount of conversation we can have is getting lower and lower every day because they, they just, there's no parallel to me trying to say, oh, I'm, I'm struggling to get grant funding. I'm speaking to investors. I'm trying to secure clients. And, you know, they're working a desk job, which is great. They're happy with it. But the ex experiential life becomes different. And at Rainforest, you can find people who are living that same experience that you are, and it's not so lonely anymore. Yeah. That, and, and not only that, like um, it's across industries. It's not like it's specifically like tech focused. There are tech folks that show up. There are people such as yourself that are working more in, you know, I don't know, like that's, what would you even call that? That's more on manufacturing, scientific development. Like it's not. Yeah, e yeah it's a good question. I usually just say we're, we're a hardware software solution so that I can cover all the bases in one quick sentence. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but then not only that, there, there are uh, investors that, that do show up as well. And there are people, you know, like, like James as well, that you mentioned who um, we actually recently had on the podcast as well. And he was able to share kind of his story and, again hardware software like he's he's in the building industry and that's um something that i think really comes through so clearly today is that uh everything is a technology industry yeah if if you're not involved in that if you're not innovating like you're basically going to die out as an industry like or as a yeah as a company. and even many the companies that historically you know even a decade ago would have been not at all a tech company because of the way you market, because of the way you reach your clients, because of the way you, you interact and you manage your, your data and your processes, everything's a tech company now. So we all have the opportunity to support each other, even in and, in and out of the hard tech world. So, What are the big lessons that you've gotten out of the entrepreneurialism that, like over the years? Like I think you had mentioned before we got on the show here, um, kind of an indicator of when you should get out of the cat scratch. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was telling you, uh, so, you know, when you're selling a, a $200 luxury item, um, you are the first to know when the recession is coming because people stop spending on their, on their pets real early. So we were very wise to the 2008 recession before it happened. So, so that was, that was fun. Um, I think, uh, the real thing that I've learned being an entrepreneur is, 
uh, to just never stop, to just always keep going and, uh, and always get out of your comfort zone. It's, um, I was watching a YouTube video a while ago with uh, Marissa Peer and she said, do, wake up and do that thing you hate first thing in the morning and get it done. And that's how the people who succeed really do well. Because if you're not willing to do that thing you hate, then you're not willing to, to go as hard as you need to go. You're not willing to push yourself to the extremes that you need to do to be a, a successful entrepreneur and an amazing person and everything that you can be. That really just kind of gets to the core of it though, is that like you, you have to have the, the proper mindset to begin with before you maybe take on a journey like this. If you're somebody that is disappointed after the first setback, like you're probably not going to be very successful. Would, would you? And, and I wonder about this often because I, I sometimes feel like if you don't have the right mindset, you're never going to step onto the road even that even just deciding to start a business, deciding to get out the door is the first step of the right mindset. And you can develop it from there. I agree you do need the right mindset, but it's something you work on every day. It's something you reinforce every day. I'm always making sure that the messages that come into me are the ones that I need to succeed and closing out that negative that won't help me push forward. Because controlling your 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 mindset, controlling your the, the internal dialogue is so vital, not just to succeeding in an entrepreneurship, but also to just having a happy and rewarding life. So, so how have you worked on that yourself? You talked about developing it. Like, how have you worked on that for in your own life? Like, I'm sure like this is the real stuff. Like this is stuff that I think <laughs> entrepreneurs or people thinking about becoming entrepreneurs need to know. Like, so how, how would you? Um, and I just do it kind of the brute force way. I, uh, I educate myself as much as I possibly can. Um, you know, in the evenings we sit down and my husband turns on a sports game and I turn into YouTube and I watch people who talk about mindset and I learn from them. And then when they talk about a book, I go get the book and I read the book and I apply and apply and apply and apply until I get there. So I'm always trying new things. I'm always changing the way that I think on a day-to-day -day basis your mind is like the rest of your body. You need to learn to control it. It doesn't control you. You know, uh, you are not your thoughts. They are something that's happening to you. So it's not an easy process. It's, it's just like getting up and exercising in the morning. You don't always feel like doing it. You don't always feel like keeping an ironclad control on your mind, but that's what it takes. But I'll tell you, when you do take control and you do like exercise is a great example afterwards. I don't think there's ever been a time afterwards when I'm like, Oh, I really regret exercising. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It, it takes effort. It takes, um, it takes trying, but, and one of my favorite expressions is, uh, um, you know, neurons that, that fire together, wire together. So the more you do it, the more you reinforce those patterns, the easier and easier it becomes. The, the first step of a journey is always the hardest. So that's, very, yeah, well, so true. So true. So uh, let's maybe just go into like an inspiration that you've received over the years. Like what, what would you say has been some of the most important points of inspiration for yourself? I think just seeing the community in, in Edmonton and seeing how it's thriving and how um, just regular everyday people are getting up and doing what they want to do and living their dream. Um, so many people who just had an idea and wanted to implement it. it. It seems unachievable sometimes when you're sitting in your living room and you have an, you know, a, a notepad and a piece of paper and you've jotted down an idea that you think is going to become a business. It seems completely 
outrageous that you just go and do it. And until you see people and you meet people and you talk to people every day who did that, who did exactly that, and they're no different than you. They're, they're, they're great people trying to do something great. And we're all great people trying to do something great. So taking that step and being surrounded by people who are also taking those steps, um, it keeps me going. I'm also inspired by the same sort of thing. I, I see, um, especially in the last few months, like it, I've really been delving into this whole soul world. And one thing that like just quickly comes to mind, I think I'm going to do a shout out here, but Zachary <laughs> Storms. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, and how he got the whole startup TNT uh, evening set up. He was just like, and we, we should do this. We went from six people, you know, sitting in a, in a not yet open restaurant to, I think last night there was nearly a hundred people out. Wow. It was, and, and, you know, that's such a great community. It's, uh, it, entrepreneurs, investors, uh, support, everybody's coming out, everybody's there interacting with each other in a way that's really organic. So I'm sure that, uh, that the free beer probably helps. As the well. free beer does help. I think there's a direct <laughs> proportion to, to the attendees and the, the amount of free beer being served. So we should probably do some sort of study about that just to verify just, the just for scientific, scientific, scientific reasons. Yeah. But definite shout out to, to Zach Storms and, and Startup TNT. That's a great new event that's happening. So but, people should come check it out. I think they should. Uh, <laughs> um, Thursday nights at Polar Park Brewing for those who want to check that out. Um, but that, that really drives home. Like it's, so Rainforest is an informal network, an informal group. It's not like there's a, a specific like membership process. There's nothing. You just show up. You are just part of Rainforest. Right. And it really supports that, that grassroots initiative of we all want to be a part of something greater. And, uh, you know, I really encourage any startup who hasn't been out to Rainforest to come because the community is where we thrive. Yeah, I, I would agree. And th so that kind of, uh, that's great. Uh, <laughs> community is where we thrive for sure. And I think that there's maybe more awareness to that uh, overall. Like, you know, uh, my business partner is uh, a generation older than me and he's a 10x entrepreneur. And on my bad days, I like to go into his office and complain about how the world isn't my oyster and, and people don't invest in me just because I show up at the door. And he laughs and says, you know, two decades ago, there was nothing. There was nothing at all. There was no community. There was no one out there. It was you by yourself in an office trying to get something done. It's easy to look and see what more there could be, but we have to sometimes take a moment and appreciate what there is, which is great. Uh, yeah. And there's, I mean, Rainforest is one of kind of many uh, opportunities for, for people. I would say that uh, from my perspective, if anybody is trying to get into this, they should just visit as many types of groups like this as possible. Absolutely. Just meet people. And not just for the value of meeting people, which is great, but as you go through your business, you find you need certain people. And when you know them already and you have an established relationship, then things flow very smoothly. You're not stuck in that corner saying, I don't have the support I need because the community's there and they're ready to support you. Yeah. You're, you're maybe not thinking, you know, oh, nobody wants to invest in me. Like it's, it, that's not the thing. It's that nobody's actually gotten to know you exactly yeah. you you haven't built those relationships that yeah. you know a stranger's not going to give you money you need to you need to make friends you need to to be out there as a participant which is funny like that's the advice i think my mom gave me when i was like five years old <laughs> you need to go out in the world and go make friends like, yeah your mom wasn't right wrong <laughs> <laughs> awesome um what about uh how would you say that your experience in kind of more traditional industries how would you say if that relates to entrepreneurialism, if at all, like, oh, I think it's it's been vital for me. 
Um, and not just my previous experience, but also my connections in the support group that I have in traditional communities. Because when I run into a challenge, a lot of the times these people have done it before and they've, they've surmounted it before. Uh, in addition to that, being with people who have gotten past that kind of five-year hurdle, you know, most businesses, I think it's 94% of businesses fail in the first five years. They've, they've surmounted that challenge. They're, you know, not, a, maybe they're not scaling into something huge, but they're sustainable. They're, they're doing something good. They're being a, a participant in the community. They're uh, building a legacy that their, their children can take. Seeing that, watching it, knowing how it is on a day-to-day -day basis the, the entrepreneurial community is wonderful, but there's an element of struggle that we all share. Watching people who are in, maybe not out of struggle, but in a different kind of struggle, in a, in a more sustained, uh, growing, supportive kind of stage of their business really provides insight on where to go once you're in the market, once you've started selling your product and are developing your base. That's so. right. Because I mean, I guess eventually, if even if you're an innovator, eventually you become just part of the ecosystem. You think of Facebook and mm -hmm. they were brand new, but now they are just a business. They're just part, exactly, exactly. And that to some degree should be the goal that, you know, that there's this dream of the, the large scalable business, but there is nothing wrong with a great lifestyle business that keeps you happy. So yeah, no, <laughs> even that, yeah, absolutely. That's a great goal. Um, and you know, like there's, I think even, you talked about the value of like traditional networks. So it's, it's funny just the way that you and I actually met. So we met at a rainforest event and then met at a networking event and then met at another event. And then within <laughs> two more days, we actually met at a BNI chapter meeting with my current employer. Yes. Yeah, and exactly. We met through, through entrepreneurial and through more traditional. So, so it's just <laughs> exactly. And so it's funny how just the, the, uh, those networks really, support each other like, absolutely those are my favorite moments when the worlds cross yeah that's uh <laughs> yeah and people can just continue to to recognize you know the the energy and enthusiasm i don't know it's it's a it is that trust thing right and it's also we want to as entrepreneurs we should take the community that we're building the trust that we're building and the idea that we all help each other part of our goal should be to bring that to more established businesses to keep that attitude of all boats rise on the same tide we can continue to help ourselves, not just startup businesses, but also established businesses. Everyone does better when we help each other. For sure. For sure. Awesome. Any, any, let's say, you know, last sort of words of advice that you'd like to share or? Uh, I don't know if I have anything particular. I've kind of, uh, mind dumped on you already. You kind of have. Yeah. yeah. You've shared, you've shared a lot. <laughs> it's great. I'm sure. That's, that's fantastic. Well, I, I've really enjoyed having you here today. Just well, to Thank you. You know, as you said, we, we've kind of connected on lots of levels, so it's nice to be able to sit down and have this in-depth chat. For sure. And uh, to those uh, that probably don't know this yet, Anthea actually will be uh, joining us as one of our podcast hosts here. Yeah, you have to be careful being in-depth in the community. You sometimes get uh, wrangled into volunteer positions as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to have lots of fun doing the podcast. So, uh, so look forward to seeing me on the airwaves, people. Fantastic. <laughs> Great. Well, uh, thank you again. And we will leave it right there. Great. Thanks. If you haven't already... Visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-sourced, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social-barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta.
This episode was brought to you by a generous contribution from Levin Electronics and is hosted by volunteers from Rainforest Alberta. This episode was also made possible by a contribution from Alberta Enterprise Corporation. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.